Welcome to the Grandmaster Level Show. Today we got a special show. It's based on the fundamentals of honor, respect, loyalty, and what better to have than Life Cycle Botanics with Shane and Mark as a special guest of honor. How is everybody doing today? Doing well. Doing yourself. Ah, well, sorry on the awesome. late start, guys. Uh, dinner got, someone dropped the ball on dinner tonight, so had a little bit of a late start and I needed fuel to get through this been a crazy week how is uh well let's start with let's kind of just start with everybody uh let's start with you heston how was your week that was fantastic we had a bit of sunshine poking through i got a couple of spots outside that i'm trying to uh, uh get ready for some cannabis and we're also doing a, a big blueberry planting this spring we had the fire damage uh wildfire a couple of years ago and it opened up a bunch of space so we're gonna take advantage and plant some fruit so super stoked it's getting that time of year and Awesome. Uh, yeah, ready for spring. That's sick, man. Well, make sure you talk to me before you plant any blueberries, because I got a lot of experience in that department. Um, You're at the top of my dude, list. I'm envious that you guys can do that. I'm so envious. I'd love to have fruit, but uh, we have bears. <laughs> we do too. Uh, Preston, how's it going, brother? How was your week? Yeah, it's been pretty good. It's been uh, really busy at work, so I haven't been able to get a whole lot done here in the garden, but it's been been good everything's going pretty smooth otherwise well that that is awesome um marcus well i know you were just at whistler all day and everybody is jealous but how did your week go my week was great it was wonderful just uh you know staying super busy got so much going on i mean dude i talked to you like 50 times a day so you know exactly how it's been it's been <laughs> fucking madness crazy chaotic psychoticness <laughs> which is great i love it Lots of good dabs, lots of good people, and I'm like super, super excited to go to Barcelona for the ICBC and the Spanibus and the Legends of Hash. I'm getting jacked. Awesome, man. Yeah, I know. It's it's getting exciting, man. It's getting close. Um, Russ, well, how how was your week? Man, I think uh, I think Marcus said it best, man. It's just hectic, man, and I love it. I want to. I want to shout out Mandy. I want to shout out GML Mandy for showing me all the stuff that she showed me this week because this week was just absolutely crazy for Grandmaster LEDs as far as I see. I mean, I mean, so many different methods of, of messages to coming in. You know, you have messages coming in on two different websites. You have messages coming in on two, three different social media sites. You have, you know, Discord a lot of things to keep up on but uh just it's a lot it's just it's hectic but at the same time i wear a smile because i know it's just love from the community and uh i just i just it's busy but i love it so uh, shout out to everybody thank you for all the love and uh i just can't i just feel it like a wave i don't think this is like the peak i think <laughs> i think oh. it's just swelling and building dude and and uh who knows where it's going to crash but it's uh it's cool well, I, I have to agree with you. This was a crazy week. And just to, to be quite honest, like last night, I, you know, I, I, was, I was getting emotional, to be quite honest, when I was just going through everything that just happened in the last two years and every single thing that we happened and everything we had to overcome and just like every single obstacle. And I feel like we have achieved the absolute most impossible thing. And now we truly are going worldwide and we have um yeah it, it's just it's an incredible thing and i just want to thank everybody for all the support like i said I, it was a 
it's been extremely <laughs> an emotional couple of days for me, to be quite honest, and uh, super happy to have Mark and Shane here. I wanted to start off and kind of like um, Mark and Shane have been on before, but in case you are new, because we have a lot of newer people, I'd like to start off and let um, Mark give an introduction to himself and just kind of let everybody know what he's about and what you guys have going on. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Uh, appreciate you having us on again. Um, so we are a, a licensed cannabis nursery on Vancouver Island. Uh, we have medical sales, uh, a lot of commercial sales, deal with a lot of micro facilities. Um, been in the industry for, well, 20 plus years. So um, myself and our team all have uh, a lot of experience uh, from the, the old days and also learning all the new ways of uh, running a business with the uh, with the whole licensing systems and everything else. So, yeah, it's been a pretty uh, exciting journey. Um, you guys, you started originally coming into the legal market with Cobert Valley. So you guys were, you were a craft micro before you became a nursery. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, actually, we were the second licensed uh, micro facility in B.C., so when we started that, it was just, it was so new. We had to, you know, nobody really knew anything about it. So we were really learning how to build a facility, learning how Health Canada works, how, you know, insurances, dealing with the city. There was so much, it was just a kind of a whole new world to uh, just to learn about, you know, from, from what it used to be. So uh, Covert Valley, uh, we produced uh craft flour um into the bc market so we we did our own brand and um you know had a few harvests um into the bc market retail stores and uh really at the end of the day our focus was nursery that's what we've always done so covert valley was a really good stepping stone in a way to learn the industry learn the markets um learn how um just how the whole system works there's so many moving parts to it from, you know, production to processors to uh, getting SKUs with the provinces, um, understanding the pricing, the taxes. There's it's just a whole complicated world that Covert Valley, uh, being a microproducer, really got us, you know, really deeply into it and understanding the industry. And uh, that's helped us a lot being a nursery now because we're not just a nursery selling clones. We're a nursery that understands the market. We understand what the micro producers have to go through uh, to get their product to market. So um, it was really beneficial having Covert Valley to just really understand all sides of the industry. So awesome! And um, Shane, Shane was obviously he was with you guys with Covert Valley also, correct? Yeah, actually, Shane, Shane has been with me since high school. <laughs> <laughs> our our team is, uh, yeah, we're really old school. Like um, Shane and myself know each other since grade eight. Um, our partner, John, he's been uh, with us for over 15 years. Uh, my wife's part of the team, um, you know, 15 years. A um, couple of our, our, the rest of our team is all really, we've been really working together closely for a long time. So I think that's... Uh, really critical having a good team um knowing each other on a personal level and on a business level the way we do and uh understanding how to you know work together i mean that that's a probably a big factor in a lot of businesses that um struggle is having partnerships or 
you know, just everyone not knowing their place. And uh, we all, you know, work so well together. And I think that's part of the reason why we're, you know, such well, a strong team. To be able to have that trust, I think, is uh, really, you know, really special. And it's obviously makes you guys stand out from a lot of different people. My first experience coming into the Craft Micro, I had some people come and approach me wanting to start a kind of a brand with me. They gave me 40% of the company and then literally said, um, you know, everything's going to be taken care of. And, you know, on our very first, as we were building, um, I like I was obviously participating in saying what needed to be done. I ended up spending over a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, thinking I'm going to be reimbursed right away after the crop comes up. And I, and you know what? I could have got every single person to also sign a contract. No problem. They would have, but I didn't even think I would need to. And then it's like on our very first crop, we did very well, got very good money for it. And I got ripped off. And it, um, I think that's kind of a good example about like trying to get into business with people you don't know. It's just, it's insane. So that um, that's obviously one thing that you guys have that's really nice that you guys have been working together um, since then. I think um, one of the things that really stands out about Lifecycle Botanics is having an in-house HLV D lab and I, they've been dealing with this for a long time and I kind of feel like um, you guys are ahead of the most people so um, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about that uh, I can take that Thomas. so yeah so uh, we first encountered that back in the legacy days um, it was it, nobody knew about it when we first came across it it started by you know people would think uh, that you mixed up some strains or maybe you just had some unusually weak plants but uh as we started to see it happen more and more frequently, uh, we did some research and there was some publications in the States talking about this hop latent viroid or dudding disease. And so as we did more research on it, we found a laboratory in Canada that was able to test for it. We sent in some plants out and tested. Uh, we had pos positive in our old uh, baby house. Um, we had ended up testing all of our mother stock. And, uh, <clears throat> we took out everything that tested positive we removed everything from the facility and so everything was clean but then in time we saw it start to pop up again so as that happened uh, we started doing more and more research into it um so i've actually got a pretty extensive background and research to it now like always learning new things because you always find out new things as you go along but um yeah you got to stick on top of it because it's you know they're still learning. Nobody nobody has a magic cure for it. There isn't there isn't anything. There's no inoculation or nothing that just makes it go away. You just have to take all the precautions. Also like sanitation, cleanliness, uh, disinfectants. You just have to you know really be on top of it. And so testing now for us it's like a backup. It's more of a of a safety just in case. But. Um, Everything's been working great with uh, the policies and procedures that we put in place when we started the nursery. So we haven't seen it since. Um, but, you know, for everybody else out there, wherever you get your starting materials from, I got to say it's a real thing. It's a huge problem in the industry. So you got to be on it. Yeah. And it's and it's not going away. You know, um, hops comes in seeds. So as long as there's seeds coming, you know, being reproduced and, um, you know, brought into the country or circulating around, you know, the industry, it, it will just keep, it's going to keep resurfacing for a very, very long time until that, you know, until science finds a better solution. So uh, like Shane was saying is, is continuously testing and watching out for it. 
Um, you know, we have our own in-house lab, which allows us to continuously test and, and watch out for it. Um, you know, before we had our own lab, we would send samples out to, you know, credible labs in Canada, which would test for it. But because it's such a, you know, the, the latency of the viroid, you know, that's the real, the, the real key to it is that you can test some plants and say, yeah, we're clean, but it, it can, it could be in that plant and it's just not showing yet. So it, it could take generations later before it starts to show up and uh, or, or months and months till it can show up. So, you know, just going in and say, hey, I just sent a bunch of samples into a lab and they came back clean. That's not necessarily the, the case. So um, us as a nursery have to take it to a different level because we're, we're giving plants to producers. So our responsibility is, is much higher than, you know, for example, a producer is going to, you know, run a crop of flour. Um, you're going to you flower it out. Once that's done, you're going to intake new clones and start fresh again. So it's not as as critical if you're getting clean clones supplied to you and it runs its course through the flower and it leaves the, you know, it, it, you harvest and it's gone. Well, then you're on a new start each time. But as soon as you have mother plants that are long living or genetics, you know, from clones or pheno hunts and all that. Now you're you're holding a genetic for a long period of time, and that's where that genetic has to be tested clean, and and it has to be continuously done. So um, it's a it's a huge undertaking for a nurse to do that, but it's also what we have to do to to try to uh, ensure that there is clean genetics available, you know, in in uh, in Canada. So yeah, like one thing that sticks out to me is I'll see online and I'll see somebody post and they have all their genetics. And they sent one sample out of all their stuff to a lab. And they're like, we're clean, guys. Clean, clean, clean. And then it's like, well, I can remember what even what you guys were going with, with something showing clean. And then three weeks later, like it's called hops because it can hop around. People don't really understand how it just it's how it it's insane. There, there's the, some good videos uh, by um, what's his name He's the. Uh, the professor of plant biotechnology at uh, Simon Fraser, uh, Zamir, Zamir Punja. He's got some videos on medicinal genomics, which is uh, Kevin McKernan's uh, YouTube channel. And there, he's got preventing and eliminating, understanding and managing. And just it's, it's a pretty good introduction to people who might be watching and wondering uh, if they can go a little deeper down this rabbit hole. Uh, that's uh, one source that is, is fairly legit. Yeah, well, Shane's done a lot of research with Dr. Kerry Wang, uh, a lot of nurseries in California, and um, and Shane also speaks on a lot of panels. I'm not sure um, how many of you go to some of the Grow Up conferences or Lyft conferences, but um, you'll often find Shane speaking on one of the panels because the knowledge that we gained about hops was hands-on knowledge. Like, we experienced it uh, pre-licensing um you know, where we we really had to understand it so deeply, like on a, on a different level to, to, you know, prior to becoming a, a licensed nursery, because there's it's not an option to give out, you know, infected plants to producers. So um, the level that we've taken it to is, is so far beyond just, you know, testing a few plants and, you know, um, it, it, well, it's your it, word, right? It's your company name. Like when when uh, Driscoll sells 
9 billion strawberry plantlets a year, they give a certification that comes with those plantlets and they're coming out of a lab in Colorado. They're shipping all over the world. It's, they've got a, a, a great lab and they're going to basically test those plantlets and make sure it's a guarantee when you buy those plantlets that this isn't going to be there. This isn't going to be there. None of these things will be present. Obsolete and viroid is a scary one because they could get it from somewhere else, you know? So it's yeah. a scary thing to try and get. And like you said, sometimes it doesn't show up. You could be testing and testing and testing and it just doesn't show up until all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And so the way I learned about it was through uh, Dr. Shma Sabayad uh, and Dr. John Brunstein at Segra International. My friend Ian was the main grower for cookies and for DNA down in California. And he had a hot slate and viroid come in and wipe out about a $5 million crop in, in two greenhouses. And so it was a serious, serious, he was just like in that moment. He put his head down and he did research for about a year and a half on the five tissue culture companies that existed back then in cannabis. And he kind of landed uh, with Segra at the time, but he was just like, all I know is this, we have to figure this out. Like, this is scary, especially in California where they say it's, you know, I don't know, 90% of the genetics are, are rocking this. I was in Colombia, 100% of the genetics in Colombia have hoplite and viroid like brutally so badly that you can you could see it all over the plant late stage I, the, the testing has got to improve to where it's not just leaf samples too i mean you, if you take you know root sample you're going to get the early way more early or way more early indication that you have it because it shows up earlier in the root than it will in say the leaf especially the top of the plant so um there's there are more techniques that are starting to come out that are helping us catch it a little bit earlier but uh it's still, you still got to constantly test it because there's so many outside influences that, like everybody's been saying, where it could pick it up from somewhere outside of itself, too. Yeah. Another thing that uh, you really got to watch for is um, one of the things we found out is that a plant can actually be uh, not showing symptoms. It could be completely asymptomatic. And so you believe your genetics are clean because you haven't seen an issue. Um, and that plant can spread it to your other strains and they they will suffer. And meanwhile, you've got one thing that looks like it's doing fantastic. It doesn't actually have any ill effect. And just to add to something you said there, Marcus, about it's also your word. The other thing we have to be very careful of as a nursery is we're supplying producers. And we all know the cannabis market in Canada is tight, to say the least. You know, every crop uh, from, from many producers is make it or break it. So if we give that viroid to a producer that can put them out of business you know we're we're responsible to make sure that they succeed uh, as a nursery we have to make sure our genetics are absolutely clean and could put you out of business too absolutely or yeah. worse yeah um yeah. spark brought up a really good point about testing on roots and that's what i'm hearing a lot of people talk about in the states um, do you guys focus anything on the roots are you guys able to detect it there easier while you guys are doing any testing what is your procedure in that sense? So uh, if you do uh, uh, watch the uh, video with Dr. Uh, Punja, um, what he explains is when, when the virus enters the plant, it'll enter it somewhere in the, in the growth and leaf or the stem. Uh, it then takes anywhere from one to three weeks to get into the root mass. Uh, then it can take up to, you know, a month or two months to go back through the plant. So, uh, the ultimate answer is to test both, truly. 
they say that roots so if, if you test a part if you test a leaf on a branch that's not infected you're going to get a negative but once it's in the root mass it's all through the root so the root mass generally is going to give you uh, a much more accurate true positive but the plant could have infection in a branch that hasn't reached the root mass yet so you really the ultimate test is the root mass and a leaf on every branch really yeah and one of the things that we've we've realized was um watching the grass so when when someone says i have a positive well what is a positive uh di different testing methods have different thresholds of what a positive is considered so when we're running test samples through our <clears throat> excuse me uh through our through our lab we actually watch the graphs and follow the rfu numbers so there's a threshold at a certain RFU that is considered a positive. If, you know, if you're just sending samples out to a lab and you're saying positive, if you're going by positive and negative, that's not enough information. You need to know where your RFU numbers are because if there's showing an elevation at a certain, um, a, a, a speed of elevation during the 18 minute cycle, that is also how you can sort of predetermine potential upcoming positives so it may not be at the threshold yet but you may see something suspect and now you know you have to monitor that plant because it is showing some suspicion and that's that is critical to be able to to really track um, because once, once again the latency of it um, that may show up three months later as a positive potentially so now you have to monitor that plant and continuously test it and watch if those numbers increase. So um, unfortunately, just sending samples to labs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a general idea. You know, you send a few samples, you know, leaf samples throughout your plant, root, uh, some root uh, material. It's still not guaranteeing anything. You know, you just really have to have to have a continuous testing method. So um, once again, that's that's why we had to go to that that length as a nursery and uh, um, and be able to have real-time data as well when remothering plants and everything else taking the actual uh plant material from the new uh clone that's going to be generating to a new, uh, new mother plant that's you have to test that exact um tissue um and there's just so much more to it that we have to uh that we've learned and uh, we're able to keep our facility clean. So I think that it's kind of part of the problem with a lot of other places. I'm not even not naming anybody even, and it's even a lot of people I even say in see in the USA, like I'm saying, they'll have this chart and they'll have 25 strains that they sent a sample in and two of them are, are positive and the rest are negative. And then saying, Hey guys, so we, we are good for these ones if you want. And like you said, it, it can be hiding and they're not even, I'm not saying that they're actually even intentionally doing it because they are not aware. They're just getting their first test. They don't know, have as much education on the matter. And they think, hey, I, this is tested and it passed. But realistically, it's just um, going around like a disease. I've seen, I know a couple of people, well, this is going back a year ago, a guy I know that fell victim. These guys haven't, they've never been on social media. They don't partake with anything, right? And they just thought their place is plagued. They just can't, like they were growing the death bubba and they just, they thought that um, 
he thought it was genetic mutation. You know what I mean? He just thought that he'd grown it for so long and he just couldn't get it to grow properly. And just his, his, every single yield was ruined, you know? And, genetic drift sometimes is was what you would hear people call. Yeah. What really was happening was a plant that has been completely impregnated with viruses and bacteria and fungi, has never been initiated through tissue culture, has been passed around from one garage to another for 20 years. And then they're wondering why uh, it just doesn't perform the way it used to. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no doubt, dude, go figure. Fucking thing's got cancer. So, um, so it, with HLVD and tissue culture, I think they kind of go hand in hand. Is that kind of on the table for you guys and your team in the upcoming year or months or next following year? Is it something you guys want to add? Because that would really, I guess, well, it just goes so hand in hand together, right? How do you guys feel about it? Shane, Mark? Yeah, we have uh, we have uh, a few of our genetics uh, tissue cultured. There, I feel there's benefits to tissue culture, absolutely. But, you know, for example, if you, you send, you know, a bunch of plants in, tissue culture them, take the tissue culture back, they're considered clean. But what about the rest of the facility? What's to stop that from getting infected by another plant? Um, so, you know, really it, it's, it's a helpful solution in a lot of ways, but uh, the most important part is having procedures in place because it only takes one plant to come into your facility and then spread the HLVD throughout everything, whether it came from tissue culture or not, it's still vul uh, vulnerable to the disease. So oh, yeah. really having procedures in place is so critical. Using, you know, clean uh, cutting tools, gloves, handling, um all the things that come with that 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 is the bigger part of hlvd if everybody treats every plant as if it has the disease or the viroid that would make a huge difference in the industry you know if someone as soon as someone starts cutting from one plant and then going to another plant um maybe they said oh this was tested it's clean it, or it came from tissue culture so they they then stop using procedures that's when you're really vulnerable because uh it may be there and now, now yeah. you're spreading it again so usually if you have like the tissue culture sops your whole like sops for cleanliness should be absolutely on par initiation is just about reducing and removing all of the you know the bacteria and the fungi and the viruses that are present in that plant just getting that out the plant's works so much better and if you say you had a bunch of plants that maybe had some fungi and bacteria in them and then you had some initiated plants and you put them both into a room i can guarantee the uh, hop slate and viroid would affect those ones that are like impregnated with other bacteria and viruses because it drops their immune system it drops their ability to fight you can see it with bugs the ones that are really impregnated they're invisible to the eye but you put a plant in the room and you're like why has that plant got mildew got thrips it's got spider mites where did these things come from it's like well it's like nature you know when the lion sees a sick wildebeest that's what it attacks it doesn't attack the healthy ones and bugs are kind of no different they just see these frequencies of plants that have been lowered to a vibration that are like i mean i've I, maybe you guys haven't but i've definitely seen it in my room where i've had one plant get attacked by mildew and bugs 
and plants right next to it be completely unaffected. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's a good point. So if a plant has HLBD, it's actually far more susceptible to uh, botrytis and you know root rot, all of the uh, all of the other sicknesses. Um, it's far more susceptible because yeah, its immune system is uh, is substantially been compromised. So yeah, I'd I'd like to ask you guys like, what is a surefire uh, way to get rid of HLBD if say you had it in your garden and you're trying to uh, sanitize everything uh reset your garden for a new run with clean genetics what would you do to clean your room and make sure that it's ready to go hlvd free for the next run well uh, so we use a combination of disinfectants so if you want to clean the garden first you've got to get all of the plants out right you're talking after all the plants are removed is that correct yeah okay so if you've got no plants yeah anymore, and like for like uh and sorry just sorry to cut you off there but like okay. even like for a hydroponics guy like myself like having a chiller and stuff like i i want to know what kind of products you could run through your system your chillers just to keep everything sanitized and to prevent the spread from from going on to the next run so, sorry, yeah I'll for sure so yeah so you need to you know basically you want to bleach all the areas you can bleach you need to uh, continue using a disinfectant like uh, we like verklin s is quite good for your printing tools and stuff like that uh anything that's going through your lines you probably want to use uh, h2o2 but of course it's not it's not as effective against the viroids so um you know you'd have to increase your dose or increase your um the length of time that you would run that sorry uh, but bleach and bleach and vercon are probably the primary two that I would use. Would uh, hypochlorous acid work? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah don't use isopropyl alcohol. No, no. No. no it's like pouring. Not it's like pouring oil on the fire. Uh. Oh, really? Yeah. Helps yeah. it grow. Um. I know because we used to use that for everything. They're like, oh yeah, just use just use uh, the iso. Right, that'll kill it all. It kills everything except HLBD, as it turns out. You would think, in theory, yeah, it sure feels that way when you think about it. Um, one thing I would actually like to bring up that I think is a really cool service that you guys offer—I've never even heard anybody else offering this—is um, doing pheno hunting. So, if other Canadian companies or people can come to you with their genetics, if they have something, you guys can pop it. You guys can sprout it. They can do a pheno hunt at your facility and. Um, are you guys still offering that? Sorry, I guess I should have asked that. I know that that was an option before, but is that still available if someone wants to work with you guys like that? Yeah. Yeah, we've taken a few projects on. Um, I think it works well, considering we have our own HLVD lab as well. So we're able to do the continuous testing once the seeds are popped. Um, yeah, so we we have done a few pheno hunts for, uh, for clients. We do our own as well. Um, strain characterization trials we do quite a few of those too um a lot of a lot of people think they've got a great a great strain and, and a lot do but they want to run them in a different environment see how they perform where we can actually bring them in and and run them through with other genetics and really start to pinpoint you know how good is it um so between the pheno hunts and strain characterization trials um yeah that's, we do quite a few of those so that's awesome. Like, I think it's just such a, that's kind of like a really cool, cool thing to be able to do to have that ability fully legal. 
get pick out big winners. Um, one other thing I wanted to also say is United Kingdom. We are united finally today. Um, we like we officially have. Well, it's going to be official in the next few week or so. But a UK distributor that's going to do a really good job that distributes across the whole United Kingdom. We're pretty excited finally. So it's coming for real. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there because I know there's a lot of people from the UK. And there's a lot of people from all over the world. It surprises me some of the countries I hear from. I was like, what? Well, yeah, it's it's been crazy this last little bit. One other thing that I uh, was a surprise to me today, when I was in my room and I'm just looking at everything, and everything is like really nice health, but I just felt like the buds are just not the right size. And it's like, I'm looking at everything. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe there's something wrong with my CO2. So I should have a secondary device in there already reading it, which I didn't. So I went and grabbed one of my CO2 monitors, plugged it in. Sure enough, my CO2 hasn't been above 750 PPM, this whole crop in flower. I like I, I had after I did a leaf strip, I backed off the light for like a few days, quite a bit. And I was thinking, oh, OK, well, I backed off the light for three or four days when I probably should have put it back after a couple days and. Maybe that's it. But no, it's like the CO2 is so far down and it's so, so costly. I can give you a couple examples where, you know, I would have crops that everything appears perfectly good, but I'm not hitting my number that I'm supposed to hit and like versus another room. And then what I would do is I'd come and bring a CO2 monitor into next to that one. And that one's reading 400 PPM less. So I'm just like, it really is important once you get into the, the certain PPFDs to have that right amount to CO2 or else it is shooting yourself in the foot. You'll kill yourself without it. So anyways, I just wanted to kind of bring that up. That was pretty lame, but at least I discovered what was wrong. That's funny that you mentioned that because I'm going through the exact same thing today. I found out that my my sensors are not reading correctly. So my troll master is off from my pulse. So I'm getting alerts from my pulse saying that my CO2 is too low. But then I just turned my CO2 on last night. So I'm just starting to see all this happen in real life. And then, yeah, I go outside and... The, the CO2 is working perfectly, but my uh, troll master is reading a, th a thousand and my pulse is reading 600. So I got to go back out and calibrate those units tonight, I think, or tomorrow morning at least and get everything oh. back on track. Well, one thing yeah. I want to say about using a troll master sensor, and I just please do this if you're ever doing it, put a bag over the sensor if you're going to do any type of spraying in the room. I had one of the worst mind fucks of my life. Because I, I didn't use Trollmaster my whole life, and this was at the legal facility, and we're having the AC. Every the AC is doing crazy shit. I like it, like I can't hold temperatures. It's just things are going whack. And we called the the AC guy down there three times. We literally blamed every piece of equipment except for the sensor. So this it was as soon as I fixed the sensor, everything was completely fixed, and everything was working perfectly. But it put me for like a, a mind fuck for a week where we just went crazy. And all because of spraying, like we had sprayed and I didn't know that you needed a bag over top of it. And I just, I hope that saves somebody else that's listening. I, I did not do that. So that could be the reason. Oh, hey, <laughs> I, got a, I got a couple of questions and one, one just went by. I saw it go by a few times in the YouTube chat just now, but I wanted to ask the same thing before we got too far away for uh, Mark and Shane uh, about cleaning. What about any sort of concentration of vinegar? uh work for for cleaning i'm not aware of uh any any uh scientific data on that uh, we stick with um what's been researched and proven 
Uh, we used to use uh, hot water and vinegar back in the old days as a basic cleaner and found that to be good. But with HLBD, we gotta we have to stick with uh, you know what's what's tried and proven. No, uh, for sure. I I I clean like I mop and wipe down some surfaces with vinegar and us antibacterial and some antivirus. But I I know it didn't work against uh, the C word virus. We went through that. I know that came up, but it was not effective against that. So I'm just curious if it would work or if you knew if anything. Uh, about that and then also another question like as a no-till grower we leave our root the root mass in the bed generally and, and uh, recycle the soil that way so that's just going to add another layer of uh, you know concern with the, the virus the viroid concentrations in the root mass we have to be very certain of the plant health if you leave the root mass in because that's going to be so that sounds like a, a disaster waiting to happen uh, if yeah, it has any sort of virus load. It's going to be the entirety of it left in the soil for the next round of planting. That's correct. Even if you remove the root mass, that thyroid can survive in the soil too. So, are there any any soil testing uh, available for the virus? Not that I'm aware of. No, no root testing. Yes, uh, plant matter testing. I think you can water test for it as well now, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm not aware of soil. You, you can do water. You can, you, if you water test, you could probably do a soil slurry and send in the the, the strain off the liquid from a soil slurry. Yeah, it's not something that we do, but you can look into it. Yeah, I'll have to look into it because I hate to think about having to replace a bed. I mean, that's that goes directly against the principle of no-till growing. So if you're going to have to replace the, the growing media after every every harvest because of the virus, so. It have to be something that's definitely looked into for the. Oh yeah, that's a oil that's community. Actually pretty, you know? That's a that's good a point. Huge, that's, that's a huge point. For the, uh, that's the the base principle of that gardening philosophy. Is you 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 know five years. I had my last four by eight bed for almost five years, uh, and you know dozens and dozens and dozens of root balls left in it. So that's uh, that's something that I'm going to have to look look very deep into. It sounds like. Well, you've triggered my curiosity, so I'm going to start researching it now too. Well, let's get together. Let's stay in touch because I'd like to. There you go. Uh, I'd like to stay stay in touch and, and get ahead of this thing. Absolutely. I haven't, I haven't seen anything about it, I, but, uh, well, uh, other than the root sample. So I, I think that we're onto something here. That that brings up a good point about that I didn't even think about uh, no till and people that have a bed that they're reusing their soil constantly if it gets into the roots and can stay in the roots even if. Like, is it something that can compost and, and then, or is it stay and break down and stay in the soil? Like, or you guys might have already answered that, but that that's interesting because that could really affect a lot of organic people with precious soil that they've been working a really long time to build it up to have the diversity and everything cycling well, well, how it does. I don't know all the words. Sorry. Yeah. No, hot compost. It says like when it cooks, I wonder if it would, because that's the, you know, uh, do, have yeah. you heard anything? I mean, I'm sure that's if you don't know about the soil sampling, probably hot, hot composting to kill it is another unanswered question. You would think, though, because um, I know that as someone I, I've bought like hundreds of yards of compost and I looked through quite a few different certifications and asked a lot of different things, like especially like if a compost is made from shit and like or if that is one of the ingredients on like what at what point does it? it's not shit and it's just like it's it's fully broken down into compost and you do you can take shit into compost and it's fully certified and it's not like it's clean so there i i don't know and you're right like i, I one thing i would see is i skip my 
you know, bucket in certain piles and it's steaming. So it's freaking hot and it's cooking outside. Um, what I was going to bring up too is, uh, well, Mark and you and Shane, you guys have had a couple cool stories where you have had a plant that's got HLVD growing in it, but able to capture an area that doesn't have it, clone it, then grow it out, do testing over the next three to four weeks. And then I believe you guys would turn it into Queens. Why don't you tell us about that? Because you guys have been able to achieve that before, correct? Yeah, so that's actually, uh, that's a good point. So in the background, besides uh, the standard work of nursery and the phenotyping projects that we do for ourselves and our clients, we also have our own research and development uh, area as well. And so we, we in the past, uh, we've taken a plant that was HLBD positive in some areas of the plant, and we've tried to clone off of it to see if we could actually clone the HLBD out of the plant successfully. Um after several times of cloning it and uh, yeah we were able to we were able to get ahead of it uh, with some strains but there's other strains that even after cloning it over a period of six months or seven months uh, and the test would come back negative uh, we'd keep that plant uh, obviously in a separate area we keep that plant um, vegging for another four months or five months and sooner or later the virus would actually come back in some of them even though they tested negative for a while um the virus would pop back up several months later but some you know some streams were able to stay ahead of it um we actually have research documentation on that too so we might actually publish that eventually yeah it's that's pretty incredible um to be able to do that i remember hearing it the first time and thinking it well it just Oh man, after the time that I got it and I like I had a heavy load of it in my room, it just kind of fucked me up for a little bit because I'd never had it. And I was just like, oh, like I, I double cleaned everything so good. And so then I know other people, I haven't seen it since, but I know other people that the same thing happened to. They cleaned everything and then they got it again on their very next run. It's obviously coming from the genetics that they're guaranteed are clean is obviously um what i'm assuming but uh, that that would be frustrating to go back to back while struggling for a year finally figuring out about it then getting and then you still can't get rid of it no yeah yeah we do have some people that have a genetic that they know is positive for hlvd and typically what uh what like uh cloning it cloning ahead and trying to get ahead of it might work but um uh, a lot of those people just take their genetics in for tissue culture and try and try and get it cleaned. But funny enough, um, even a tissue culture, they do recommend that you reinitiate it after two years at the most, um, just in case, right? So uh, it might be more effective that way. That's usually what the go-to is. Uh, and even that, sometimes it's not always successful either. So, Well, it's also scary thinking about that insects can then potentially transport them too, right? Like can, can spread it also. So even if you have something isolated, it could be out of your, you could have done everything right and still not known how it happened, right? Yeah, how well, the virus is spread through the sap, right? So you would think anything that uh, intakes that sap, just like a mosquito with malaria, it's going to be able to pass it on. Um, what's uh, like, even when it comes to spreading it from one plant to another, like most common method of communication of the virus is through pruning tools, but can it also happen from your gloves? It can happen because somebody brushed against, against a plant and it snapped a twig and they got a bit of sap on their, their coat or their shirt and they go to another plant and the same thing, they're reaching through it, they might have sap on their arms or, or whatever. So 
you know, uh, a spider mite or a thrip or, or root aphid, um, I would definitely say that they can spread that like wildfire. As a matter of fact, I think bugs might be probably the most effective propagators of the thyroid. It makes sense. Wait a minute. Do you include humans and bugs? Because I'll agree with you if you do. <laughs> but I, do. I think humans is the biggest one. <laughs> we do um, get a couple uh, questions from bugs. chat. Chat questions? You guys ready? Okay, cool. So the first question is, do seeds carry HLVD and do the, does it show up in the seedlings? Yes. Perfect. Going in depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So HLVD can definitely come in seeds. It's been proven uh, many times. Um, you pop the seed. So it can be in one seed and not another seed from the same plant. That's that's important. Uh, you, you, all you can do is pop the seeds and then uh, grow them up to the point that you can take the sample, a leaf sample, and get that tested. Um, the good thing is when you're testing a small plant, uh, it's going to be more effective. The result's going to be more true and correct. So, yeah, you just want to get that tested as soon as you can. But we have seen it, definitely. Yeah. Sweet. Um, and can it be transmitted? Um, for Go ahead. Sorry, my my uh, I've got a little bit of a delay here. Um, the flip side to that is is testing a smaller plant, a younger plant, where you're able to you have less less plant to to search for the viroid. It's also at the early stages, so it may not even actually show at that time. So that's your first set of testing, and then you'll have to continue on after that. So the bigger the plant gets, the harder it is to find it where it may where it may surface. Um, so you have kind of two sides to a testing a young plant is, is easier to find it in less plant material, but it also may be young to the point where the hops has not shown itself yet. So that's why the continuous testing has to keep happening. But for, from what, a lot of the things that I've seen, like the, the, the rates of it being in seeds, it is pretty low. It's not like one in two <laughs> it, it, it's more like in the low 30 percent range right but correct. as yeah, we go it could it, i mean as more people uh breed amateur breed or any kind of you know whether they're doing it on purpose or not on purpose um and, and have bad practices to where they they might have hop latent virus it's probably going to be more prevalent in seed is my is, is my opinion i think for the future i think we're going to see it occur more frequently in seed before we see it less frequently the way things are going nice um the next question is can it be transmitted in the air and what are the signs can you guys tell us some of the signs that we can see that tell us we might have it so the uh through the air there's there's no real definitive proof on that i mean Hypothetically speaking, I suppose it might be possible for it to travel on dust, I, I guess, but there's no there's no proof there. My own personal belief is uh is it you know I think I think it's possible. Um the signs that you'd be looking for is yeah, you know, stunted growth, um smaller leaf structure. That's one of the things that I noticed early on when I was first trying to figure out what was happening was uh I'd have 
uh, table of rock star and there'd be like three plants that all the leaves were a bit smaller. Hence, we thought initially it might be a mixed uh, mixed rain, but the, you know, the plant was shorter, uh, smaller leaf structure, um, uh, brittle branching as well. The branches grow more lateral uh, instead of up. Um, as the plant starts to flower, it'll, you know, the flower can look more like balls of fluff. There's no, no resin. They're not sticky. There's no smell. So by the time it gets to that far, it'll be pretty obvious. But yeah, the early stages would be more stunted growth and uh, brittle, brittle branch structure. What, with the death Bubba, when it happened on that crop that I had to cut down, I remember looking at the footage and cause I've grown that plant. So like I've grown it so, so much. And GMO at three weeks in, or I think we were on day 28, it had nice, had some pretty nice meat on it, even though it had it. And I thought, well, if everything looked like the GMO, I would have just gone across the whole way with it. But the death bubba looked like it was day 15. <laughs> like it had no chance of ever finishing into anything. I remember people saying, you just got to grow it out, man. Anyways. All right. And then there was another, uh, another good question here. Can you contaminate and open pollination to quickly find resistant phenotypes or will those plants always at some point be affected no i i think you could find resistant phenotypes like i was saying uh, earlier there's you know some strains that can be entirely asymptomatic we actually had uh, we had a runt uh pheno uh, about uh four or five years ago that um, was HLBD positive and you, you would never know the difference. So that was, and maybe eventually it might've done something to, um, to, uh, to the plant, but um, it still produced like crazy. It was still extremely potent. Um, you wouldn't know it added at all. So yeah, I would, you know, just like some, some cultivars are resistant to powdery mildew. Some cultivars are resistant to pests. I think there's definitely strains that are more resistant to the viroid. It won't show the, yeah, it won't show the effects. Heston, um, I was, what is it called again when you breed a plant to be able not to pollinate again? Well, the triploids are sterile. Triploid, or sorry, sterile, like a triploid. That's what it's called? But mostly sterile, yeah. You okay, make a so, tetraploid and back and then cross it to a diploid and you get the tri triploid. So I, I remember how people were talking about that and being upset about it. And then it's like, the more and more I thought about it, how there really is a place for these in outdoor production, because like, what if you, you want to risk having your crop pollinated by a whole bunch, like you could have your shit pollinated because someone has males out there. Or you think about this, uh, pollen has been shown to uh, carry hop latent as well. You, so you can be infected by accepting pollen. hundred percent. So, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's another advantage. So like, or not I just, ever. The reason why I was trying to bring it up is I think people should be a little bit more open to it. Obviously, if it was some big um, Monsanto buying it, the rights to every single genetics and then doing it to it, that's a problem. But, and like everybody having to go through them, but I meant like if people are doing it legitimately, I think it's actually would make great practice. And that's something that, um, that should be, if you, if I was getting cuts for outdoor, it sounds like that would be, and especially the strain I want, or what were you going to say, Heston? No, they're like, I think it was 2018 when they planted so much uh, hemp in Southern Oregon. It was right after they did the first uh, change in the farm bill. Oregon planted millions of acres of hemp 
and all down in Southern Oregon where all, all of our uh, outdoor production for the commercial market is. So, you know, you got hundreds of acres of outdoor recreational cannabis like, right next to a fucking first year hemp farmer who doesn't know what a male plant look is or a female plant is. <laughs> and dude, there's pollen flying across the road. There was like, there was some very uh, like heated controversy. It was crazy. So yeah, they did an amazing job though at taking sixty thousand dollar kilos of CBD isolate and turning them into six hundred dollar kilos. Like they definitely did a good job at that. (laughs) It was wild. By things getting very heated, did the did something burn down? Because that's what I would imagine would happen. (laughs) There was there was people like yeah, houses burned out. Yeah, dude, houses burned out. It was crazy. I just remember them going from. I think fifteen to two thousand or something, or fifteen to twenty five hundred in a pretty. It's like, what is going on? It was insane. It's kind of funny how the isolate was such a big deal, and then it then it seemed like every um, full spectrum was more important or seemed to be more valued. There's a guy. There's a guy down in Applegate who planted. Uh, he was like a uh, alfalfa farmer. And he planted a thousand acres of hemp to run for isolate, and. Uh, cut it and bagged it and baled it green like he did his hay and, and shot it uh, the bag the baled uh, hemp full of nitrogen uh, nitrogen gas like he does with the alfalfa thinking it would it would just slow dry and be fine oh so he had God. a thousand acres full of <laughs> fucking rotten bales of hemp and uh oh God that was that was the end of his farming days right there. Oh. He just brought a bunch of butchers. We put everything into this farm, man. We put our whole lives into this farm. Well, you made a bad choice. Sorry. Should have fucking Googled how to harvest hemp before you took a run out there, fella. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. There's a hemp industry here since the 90s, like 94, I think, the first Canadian license. By 98, it was a commercial. They had changed the laws to commercial. And... um it's wild how the U.S. just can't, like Canada looked at hemp as a grain. That was the product. Hemp's a grain. All the companies that made any money with Canadian hemp did it through the 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 grain, the seed, the the husk, the or the the heart, the hemp heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, no one was doing that in the U.S. Everyone was immediately like loophole, CBD, isolate. And I'm like, I'm doing the math early. I'm like. If you're making as much isolate as you're making, you definitely have more than 0.3% THC. Like you must have kilos of it, actually. If you make a couple hundred kilos of 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 hemp CBD, just isolate, then you're definitely going to have a few kilos of THCA. And my buddies were always like, yeah, we don't talk about that. That's the part of the uh, farm bill we don't really talk about. Exactly. <laughs> like, oh, all right. Okay, dude. Sounds good. It was such bullshit as we did. We grew hemp in 2020 and did a seed production run. But the testing was like 0.03% THC here in Oregon that year. And uh, hops, hops have more THC than that. And you expect people to grow a cannabis plant with less THC than a hop plant has. Well, there's tons of plants that, like, if you want to grow hemp plants that are below 0.3%, we grew Zolotinosha from the Ukraine, and it was 0.03% THC. The problem is, you guys weren't, were growing for CBD. You're trying to get these 15%, 20% CBD cultivars, and when you do that, you get over 1% of THCA. That's just yeah, what happens. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, no fucking yeah. American has to go big, go for the twenty percent fucking CBDs. Oh yeah, of course, of course. We were growing. <laughs> our shit had like no like Canada was like the highest CBD was like three point six percent CBD. You know, back in the nineties, it was just which is reasonable to, to expect to be able to hit that THC numbers with that low. Yeah, that there's already a big push. Normal. At the federal level, I mean, I'll tell you this much: I haven't seen a CBD company sell for half a billion dollars, but I did see my friend's company, Manitoba Harvest, which was just a grain hemp company, sell for first 127 million dollars, and then for 419 million US, which is I know I couldn't. Were they were they making something nice, making nice clothes, or what were they doing? They're they're making food, man. Fuck clothes. Everyone eats. Hearts, they're, right? they're in the grocery stores. They're in Whole Foods, Safeways, Eight. Kroger's, Costco. You know, like every oh. they got the distribution, and that was it. Wow, nice distribution nice. is uh, is a big deal, man. It is. Everyone claims to have it when they want distribution prices, but um, oh, we got a little, little grow action going. He's got his flower yeah. life in the background. What do we got going on here, Preston? Why don't you give us a quick little walkthrough of your beautiful RDWC setup? Here, sorry, let me turn you. Oh, let me turn you around here. Okay, here you go. So, uh, here's the true death Bubba from uh, your truly life cycle botanics and covert. Valley craft. So last night I did uh, a nice defoliation. Took took the bottom two or three branches off of each plant. I topped them, all of them. So I think tomorrow or the next day I'll be throwing up the cages and then I'm going to start training all these branches down. And then I'm going to give them probably another two weeks of veg and then I'll flip them. So. I just want to shape these plants really nice and get as much pops as I can and, and then go from there. And then this little girl here, she's kind of hurting right now. I think uh, I bent her over last night and because I'm medialist, I think I snapped some roots. So she's, she's in some pain right now, but uh, I don't know. That Bubba can be finicky. I like, it looks like yeah. they finally taken. It's kind of like, even in, like I haven't had my pH meter working for over a week, but I have a pretty good idea of what to do blindly. And um, but I can tell you when you look at the three, if one of them's not happy, the only one that's got like purple in the stem and showing that it's things aren't perfect is the death bubba. Ooh, that's looking nice. Holy smokes! Wow, those are so huge. in the system here. I've uh, I've been doing beneficials for the past six years, and. Uh, before I was using bleach at, and UC roots, and I don't think we were using it properly. So I'm uh, excited to have this Neurovine doser where I can read my ORP and know exactly where I need to be for uh, keeping the system sterile. And uh, so far, so good. Uh, I got a, a hypochlorous acid generator delivered to me from HypoSource the other day. So I'm going to be testing that out and making my own hypochlorous acid for the system. And then here the plan was to do a beneficials. So I'm going to be doing beneficials, you know, same plant. It's not really a true test, but I just kind of wanted to see the difference in what the roots look like because whenever you're uh, doing beneficials and organics and hydroponics, the roots 
tend to look like trash, even though the plants are in perfect health and they're loving life. Uh, just it's not very eye appealing, but I just wanted to kind of have a side by side comparison, see what the difference is between uh, running sterile versus beneficial, and uh, try my hand back at uh, sterile and uh, saving some money basically. Uh, running beneficials is not cheap. Running hypochlorous acid from uh, current culture or Athena is highway robbery in my my opinion. Like for two gallons of the stuff, it's costing about four hundred dollars Canadian, and I can make two gallons for three dollars with this hypochlorous acid generator that I got. So it's going to save me a ton of money. It's going to keep everything nice and healthy and sterile in the system. So. I'm excited about that. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see. It's like once they get to that stage and kind of like take, you're just like a couple of days away from getting like real three inch growth is kind of how I feel like it can do. You know what I mean? Once the RDWC really takes. Well, one other yeah. thing that I need to bring up too that, well, we've already brought it up before, but if you are in Canada and you have a medical license and you buy a Grandmaster LED light, Grandmaster LEDs is going to pay Covert Valley for two clones so you can get the Death Bubba. So make sure to reach out to um, Covert Valley at Mark's team if you have bought a Grandmaster LED light. You just need a medical license. Or is it just an adult or do you do need a medical license, correct, Mark? Or how does that? You do need a medical license, right? Uh, yes, you need a valid license. Uh, we will be available in retail stores in bc um starting april 1st we will have uh, availability of our our clones in uh quite a few retailers um for your four plant legal limit like but, what kind of stores uh, anything... though when you say that like like liquor stores or like what kind of stores uh cannabis retail stores oh yeah cannabis retail what am i thinking of oh, yeah, said liquor yep yep <laughs> So we've got a, a bunch of great stores that are, want to carry our clones. Uh, we start we launched last year, and um, it really took off. Actually, we um, <clears throat> what we actually provide is a, a bit bigger than a clone. It's um, it's a clone planted into a four inch cocoa medium. We put it back on the shelf and veg it out for anywhere from five to seven days. So you get a, a good solid root ball, and uh, once once the plant starts to grow. Then it goes to the retailer, and um, that way there's it's a much more resilient plant. You know, it's bigger and more hardy than just a clone itself. And uh, and for medical, um, we have a shipping method that we're able to ship anywhere in Canada. Pretty much, there is some very remote areas that are a little difficult to get there in the timelines that we like it, like it to 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 receive there. But um, we have a very intricate shipping system where our clones get packaged where the boxes don't get uh you can flip them upside down or drop them they don't get damaged uh, protected so um, we're all set for shipping pretty much anywhere canada wide it's yeah your your guys shipping is awesome i gotta i gotta give you a shout out for that i uh, was quite surprised came in a nice tight box styrofoam packaging with the tray the dome and then a uh, a wooden insert that would keep your cuts from falling out. So no matter what direction the box was in, if somebody tossed it, those clones would stay inside of their trains inside of their tray, no matter what. So yeah, I got to give you guys a shout out for your packaging. That, that I was very impressed by that. So thank you guys. Oh, 
I was I was also gonna say um, it, it it's like having a death bubba. It's gonna be like a death bubba grow off because basically I'm always gonna have like I have three tables. I'm gonna be growing a different strain every time, but on each table. But I'm gonna continue to do death bubba to keep on playing with different spectrums. And all the people for all these years now actually have the opportunity to to not only grow death bubba, um, but there's so many people that have already bought spectrum tuning lights in Canada. And when these new ones are landing here, just like in either the first shipping container is landing and potentially early next week, there's so many that are going to be going out. So many are going to be growing it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun doing the show and everybody coming up and talking about doing all the different light recipes. Um, yeah, it's getting pretty exciting. By the way, I forgot to plug it, but we do have a Discord. I forgot to put the link in the show. Um, someone in chat can also um do it but we need to remember everybody we do have a discord and i apologize like this last week i haven't really been in there at all been honestly just it's been insane well spartan called it at the beginning of the show and you well you just saw marcus's face when he said it it's like we talk throughout the day and it's like we're so busy it's it, um it's it's gotten to another level of busy so yeah it's been it's what we wanted though so it's awesome um is there anything mark or shane that you guys want to kind of spotlight or bring up or anything you guys want to talk about are you able to uh are you able to show uh what's on my screen right now if i have I, I can, what i can do is i can make you a co-host and now you can share it and now you can share your screen yeah perfect okay just give me one second i'm just going to show you guys our retail uh clones here There you go. Can you guys see that? Yep. It looks like the clone chipper is nice. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what we send out to retail uh, stores in BC. You can pick those up. That cup works like uh, like its own little eco its own little ecosystem, its own little environment. So there's nothing you have to do with these uh, except for transplant them. They are happy in the cup for uh, at least a week to ten days. Um, don't have to water them, just um, you can squeeze the cup a couple times to give them a bit of air, uh, a bit of air transfer or whatever. So you're going to be able to see that uh, death bubba in retail stores. If you don't have a medical license, you can purchase it from a local retailer. And if they don't have them, ask them to bring them in and we'll ship them to that store. So you have an option. Well, yeah, that's a good point. So I guess, yeah, you just have to tell them to reach out at any local store and they can bring it in for you. So that Absolutely. makes it a, that makes it a lot easier because then you're um you don't need a medical license but the only issue is then I can't it's not the same deal with Grandmaster LEDs but if you buy a light and have a medical license then Grandmaster LEDs can pay for a couple of clones of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and the medical we can ship directly to the uh, license address so um, you can look um, look up our Covert Valley website. And just go to medical, and there's a simple registration, a valid medical license, and um, through Grandmaster level for the for the two clones, we will ship them directly from our facility to yours, and uh, yeah, quite simple. So, yeah, and that's that's exactly what I did. Is I'm a Canadian medical license grower, and I reached out to these guys and. They sent me out the guts. I had to fill out the application form. So just visit their website, fill it out, have your medical license ready to take a photograph. I think your license too. 
And uh, yeah, you can grow this and uh, there's a few other different cuts that you can choose from too. So, and it's, yeah, all clean, all clean cuts and you're, you're, uh, you're off to the races. There's some, oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, I I was just going to say like, um, because I've already said this before, when we went legal, we had a a day to bring everything in and we shared all our genetics and we have like some super, super elite stuff that is going to be coming out pretty soon. On the next round, I'm going to be growing new stuff that's never been seen before. And uh, oh, it's pretty exciting, guys. Uh, pumped. Pumped to grow something insanely purple, too. Like, I, ha- it's been years since I've grown something that's, like, pure purple. <laughs> yeah, we got some exciting uh, exciting releases coming up with uh, with GML. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty sick. And uh, it's just nice to be able, for us to be able to get these new, like, this last crop, I vegged for two days and flipped them in like it's going to be so sick to be able to not having like to be able to just bang off crop after crop after crop we're going to do a lot of timing so that we can just keep on doing it like that and um it's going to be fun i'm sorry i didn't get a youtube video out this week um but definitely next week i will um i'm I'm dealing with a huge problem i i keep on telling everybody i need to get these motorized dampers and just there's just not enough minutes by the time I think of it and then something happens, I forget about it every single day. So what's happening is the warm air from the grow is going through the ducting. Even though I have a little air damper, like air can still leak through and it's so cold outside. And I've my whole ducting insulation is full of water right now. And it's like I've got a bucket and it's dripping into and that I'm dumping. And I, I just Oh god, I, man. I haven't yeah, I know it's like a total risk of something actually happening. But I just yeah. I haven't had enough time to deal with it. Like uh, I literally like it's, um, well you know like and, and just like the phone, yeah. the amount of calls and everything like that. But it's something that I. I what if you just put the fan on like constantly? So it just well, burns all the well, time. Well, no, I don't even suck air. It's only if there was ever a failure, I could turn on an intake outtake. That's why I even have them. So what I'm going to do is just yeah. put like plastic over and actually block the air from the inside. So it's going to, I should have done this a long time ago. Oh, from the inside, from going there. Yeah. So that at least warm but Then you're going to get the condensation out. right there because the cold air is going to go all the way to that point. Do you yeah. have, do you have a, do you have a damper on your, uh, I have two, dam- I have two dampers that are spring, but these things aren't airtight. So what's the point of yeah. having a, a damper if it's not airtight, but anyways, there are some legitimate, really good, motorized dampers and I, I remember a bunch of people sending me some i'm gonna have to put out a post again to be able to have it um where so basically i just need to get that motorized damper right at the we're in between where the wall is you know what i mean and then i'll never have an issue have it cru- hooked up to a cruise temp like i'm doing all the stupid work and it's causing me problems just to have in case of an ac failure when obviously this thing's never even going to fail but i need to at least finish it off right um get the dampers redo the ducting and so that like it's properly insulated. I was almost even considering like, cause you know, the insulation, um, obviously it, like I was almost considering building a box and like spray foaming it and making it like just the most ridiculous insulation, but I should be fine. I shouldn't ever even have to use it. It's only like in case of an emergency or if I, or say if you're working in there for hours and I want to dump the CO2, it's kind of how I look at it. Uh, two yeah, questions. I almost really... just think like a real slow moving duct fan, even if it's just a tiny amount of air, would be better than nothing just to keep air blowing out at least. You would think so, but no, but if you do that, it would cause it to come in, it would cause a like a pressure. If you 
You know what I mean? Like come pulling from the room, you mean? Yeah, well, no, if, like say if I turn on one, yeah, like if, if I pull pull in one, it opens the other. You know what I mean? Like they start flowing if even if I only turn on one. Oh, I see. It's so it's so airtight in there. Um sorry, what were you gonna say, Charlene? Uh there was just um some questions on the clones. Uh the oh. first one was if they hadn't purchased a light, how much would the clones be? And is there a minimum order they need to do on those? Um, I would say the best route would do be inqu uh, to inquire directly to Covert Valley. Yeah. Um, commercial sales. So if there's any micro producers or LPs, um, that would be an inquiry to Lifecycle Botanics. Anything uh, medical and retail would be through our sister company, Covert Valley. And uh, I'd say just just touch base with us and uh, we'll discuss pricing, uh, strains, availability, and all the details required. So, Yeah, just go to the website is the best way. And there's links right in there, medical uh, sales at either Covert Valley or Lifecycle. It's uh, email simple. It's just clones at covertvalley.com for medical and uh, Lifecycle is info at Lifecycle Botanics. So but yes, oh, you have the registration on the website and strain, uh, strain availability, sorry. Well, what you can do is put a comment and I'll pin it at the end of the page or after the show. So it'll be at the top of the page for people if they want to reach out. That makes it kind of easy. And now that I see it's 7.30, um, Charlene, let's uh, get Nightbot. <clears throat> let's give away a light. Who's the who's got who's feeling lucky today, guys? We're gonna be giving away a light with a couple booster bars tonight. Nice. Um, can we win? Yeah, we'll, we'll see here. We'll see. Didn't you guys already kind of win? <laughs> well, now you brought you that up. Some, how many lights do you guys got? How many lights did you win? Fifty-two on the first first thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, you asked about our week, and uh, it was a busy week installing the new light. So, or actually two weeks ago, and uh, we're halfway there, seeing some phenomenal results uh, with the plants immediately. Within one week, we're already seeing better growth from the all the bottom uh, branches from our big mother plants are getting better light penetration and uh, better production, thicker stocks. So we're very happy with uh, the first couple of weeks here. Well, it's, you know, Mark's old school. And even if someone says, hey, just trust me. They got it. Like, I remember with the cloning, too. I'm like, oh, no, don't worry. You can just trust me, bro. It'll be fine. But they tested it out, and you guys legitimately had better results and better roots, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, faster recovery, too, after cuts. Like, just everything's night and day. It's very impressive. Yeah, it, it like, well, I'm just super confident. Like, um, and I know some people always, like, about transitioning from it. You know, I don't think you ever have to worry, like if someone's new and you're worried about going from HPS, as long you just got to always th think about having the appropriate light intensity for every single stage. And that's one of the best things that you can do. And even if you're an HPS grower to this day, I still say go buy an Apogee meter or something that can read from 400 to 750 nanometer and optimize it. Because I'll tell you, like one out of 10 people that I've gone in when I'm checking out what they have going on, just happens to fall in the right spot with the right intensity. And I'm like, okay, well, you've got it, but they didn't measure it and it was completely lucky where other people, they're either hurting themselves or they're leaving meat on the table. And that's why it's like, if you have way less light, 
Um, it's definitely going to like, if you're, if you're growing with supplemental CO2 and you got like 700 or 600 PPFD, it's going to really hurt your yield. It's just a fact. Doesn't mean you can't still grow really good stuff, but it's just um, in every single stage. And also from clone or from seedling clone teens, like there's just no reason to give certain, like even teens or plants and veg, like a certain intensity. Um, I'm not even sure. Well, you guys probably know better than me how they respond. And I guess when you're growing, I don't have this experience growing larger plants, but there, I don't see any reason to get smaller plants ever above 500 PPFD. Like what do you guys, what do you guys kind of max out with your large mumps? Around 600. Okay. 700. Yeah. I guess what they were growing up and you only had so much room for your lights too, right? Well, with big plants, there's such a big fluctuation. You know, you've got a, you know, a four or five foot plant. So mm -hmm. your PPFD at the top to the bottom uh, actual oh. difference, right? Yeah. Well, you chopped out a little bit there for me, but... Uh, Sorry. And, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. You still here? Yeah. yeah. So, what, so what we found with uh, with the, the V4s that we just installed... Um, is that we're getting a way higher penetration to the bottom branches of the plant. And that is critical with large mother plants because what happens with uh, the traditional CMHs, you know, we might be pushing five, 600, you know, PPFD up at the top of the plant and it's dropping down to like 150 at the bottom. Uh, we're already finding with the, with the new uh, v4 leds is that we're seeing we're still seeing 300 down down at the bottom of the uh of the plant so we're getting i would say from what i've seen the last two weeks i'm pretty confident up about 30 percent of our of our clone production off the mother plants already very happy with it that's incredible charlene you got to click on the mods they're not included right now Oh, God, I got my door open. Oh, shit. One second. Everything's flying in. <laughs> okay, we got 208 people eligible. There's 325 live. Um, let's see what's happening here. Who's feeling lucky in chat today? We got to drop the link in the in Bubble oh, Man's yeah. chat. Oh shit! Yeah, let's get it to Marcus. As I, sorry guys, I have, don't even have it open. How many people are in there? I got it. I'll get it over there. There's 44. It says right now. Okay. Well, come on over, family. Jump on in. We already got 213 in right now. There we go. There we go. I got two going here. Yeah, so this will give you the ability. We're going to give you the ability to, um, well, we're try, I haven't even decided which two bars, but I definitely want to give you the blue. I think it's very important to be able to turn on blue um, later in flower, just like the old school days where you have HPS hanging and you turn on your blues in the middle. Um, I did that multiple times testing that out, and I definitely brought out a lot of colors too in the flower by doing it. Um, and definitely thought I got like a more potent, like a higher potency doing it. So I think it's super did, important. Did you ever run a dual arc bulb? I fucking love them. A dual arc bulb? Yeah. Like it has six HPS, 400 mil halide in, for a thousand watt. 
No. No. I fell I fell in love with him there for a while. I remember doing I remember trying like I was obviously a Hordalux, yeah, Hordalux guy and uh trying that and then I remember because like back in the day I used advanced nutrients and then they came out with their own bulbs and they were called the badass bulbs. I don't know. If you <laughs> so, and you know what they had for every one of their products, a cash back guarantee. And I was like, okay, fuck it. Uh, and I, so I did, I did one row of theirs against um, the Hortilux and I, I was so fucking mad. Cause I only got a pound and a half off them, but uh, they did end up honoring. I ended up getting my money back, actually. But I was, and uh, then I actually did a run against Phillips, and the same thing. It's like, okay, well, Hortilux just is the best, man. Like it just, well, when I say the best, it clearly had the most. It was the most efficient out of all of them. It's putting out the most light per watt, is what I figure how it's winning. You know, yeah, I, for the spectrum, I, right? I blew three hundred fifteen watt ceramic metal halide. Was a beautiful color. Um, yeah, Spartan about the about the spectrum and why I like think that even well, here's the thing is we're about to start testing a whole bunch of HBS spectrums in our spear. So we've already got like a few different bulbs, but we're gonna be like testing a bunch just to kind of see the different range. So I guess I, I don't really know the answer, but if they are similar and you're getting with like similar ratios of green or sorry, blue, green, red, far red, like within a percent or two, then you're not like when you get down to a percent or two of these different levels, you are not going to see a difference. Like if someone's saying, I got this special green in my light, I'm adding extra green. It's giving me all these advantages. But if you look on paper and it's only like a one and a half to 2% more and you compare it against the same thing, you are not going to see anything. We've already done quite a few different side-by-sides now, um, multiple, not just us, other people on our team. And when you have it that close, it's not enough to see. But the second you start getting levels of 10% on different on different parts and different spectrums, then you're going to see. And then you even go even higher than that. Like when you go extremely warm to extremely cool or even mid-cool, it, it like you're going to see just so much different stuff. It's been so, so exciting. Like we feel like, you know, um, like there's going to be just, well, there's thousands of new people that are doing it. So it's uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, we're going to be seeing some insane data in the next few months. Okay. We got 256 people here. Do we got everybody? Is everybody in house now or how are we looking? Well, let's give it a few more minutes and we'll crack it. And here, like, guys, I've been growing with this HBS spectrum and loving it. Like, we just added a little bit of blue. But there's so many people um, that are having really good results with this really warm, warm spectrum. So it's uh, like, uh, Preston, it'd be nice to see you. If you're going to do the death, Bubba, you should. Uh, you can demonstrate it for everybody. You can go super warm against the base spectrum of the tarantula vulcanitros. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of doing. I was going to consult with you a little bit before I get that to that point in a couple of weeks. But yeah, for sure, I would love to. Shit, if it's a couple of weeks, I think we'll, we're going to be swapping those things out before if it's a couple of weeks. <laughs> we put spectrum tuning in there on the whole thing, man. We got to get you a couple more Borgs in there. Um, yeah, I'd be down. You can I'd still be down do that, that spectrum. You can, if you, we can still do the, the, the nitro spectrum exactly if you want to or anything else. It just having that diversity of being able to do anything, it just, it's, it's mind blowing. I'm, I'm sorry that we didn't go this direction right from the beginning. Yeah, well, that's how you grow, right? But 
Yeah. I'm really interested in your under canopy lighting to be honest. I'm as a hash maker, I just want those I want the lowers to get some nicer heads on them so that I can really take advantage of the of the larfs that I used to leave leave on the bottom. It won't be larf anymore. It'll be actually nice producing hash buds. Oh, we're like system. we're Can't like wait for that. Super, super pumped. Like like I said, we've um we're still just making like a few more designs here in this well next week we probably should have like everything basically done and so basically once we have a few different designs we're going to put them and set them up and see how we can achieve the absolute best uniformity in it and then when we get to look at those maps we can also it can potentially give us another idea or lead to something else or like or does one of these bars need more wattage like that's the other thing is are we we're still debating we're we're almost kind of thinking about giving more wattage if so you have it if you need it you know what i mean yeah, if you I, I i agree the more the better if you yeah, can but, offer anybody the opportunity to to have a knob to dial that down to is this well they're all gonna be they're I all think most be. people agree but the only downside is is weight so yeah. don't go too crazy with it <laughs> <laughs> oh that's what i want to do though crazy with it like it's gonna it's gonna uh, be able to be hooked up with the controller so you'll be that's why it's gonna be fully compatible with the controller so you can have it at whatever percentage you want and that's why we're thinking about giving that extra wattage because some people do not care about power one little bit they want to just maximize that area and pull as much weight because of the overall picture of the power is irrelevant compared to what it's pulling out of there and producing and there's still lots I, of areas that are like that i am the perfect example of that everybody Everybody like, well, not everybody, but I get quite a few people blasting me about my lights being so high and how I could save so much power if I was to lower them down and raise them up as they grow. But I don't care if I got to spend an extra 50 bucks a month to keep my lights up on the ceiling so that I never have to lift them. The PPFD coming off of your lights is insane. Like the best of any LED I've ever ran in my life. So. I'm not it's, worried about it. I'm just I, I'd rather leave them on the on the ceiling and just play with the with the percentage or the power and just go from there. But yeah, the under canopy lighting is something I'm just I'm super excited about and I can't wait for that. Well, it, it's Great. coming in a really big way. We you know, we've been dealing with this I've been having multiple meetings at nighttime trying to wrap up this UVB light and it's you know, it's 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 good base. It's almost ready to go. There was just something I didn't like about it, and I was just trying to. I, I got to the point where I said, "Okay, guys, I surrender. Let's just do it." With it's not like I'm just trying to make something extra nice about it. And then my team's like, "No, no, we don't have to surrender yet. Let's just go a couple more days." Like, and when I say surrendered, I'm trying to add an extra feature to it that it doesn't have already. And um, it's just kind of funny how I was like, I just said, no, guys, like we need it now. I surrender. <laughs> <They laugh. laughs> well, it's like, wait, if I would have just surrendered, oh, we could have been much further along like a while ago on it. But it, it, everything is done. It was just I wanted to make one other addition and, and then it changes something and you have to modify the certification and little things. But that's what happens when you see something to make it better. Um, you know, we're constantly kind of looking at that in any way we can improve anything. But it, it's going to complete, just kind of com complete everything that we're doing and having that those wavelengths. Um, it's going to give the real, true, full tunability. The other day, someone said to me, "Hey, can you can the Borg replicate the CMH light?" And I'm looking at it and I'm like, 
we absolutely can match the far red, the red, the green, and the blue, but I can't match the UVB and UVA. But with the new tarantula UVB, UVA bar, we absolutely can. So that will be one of the things. You want to go to CMH mode, it's going to be one of the new presets. So it's uh, it's coming, guys. The whole alphabet of UV is coming. So, oh, and up from last week, uh, my room got thrips. We were actually really happy about this. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, like I left my door open and just had been going in and out like crazy and thrips. I had multiple thrips in the room and it's giving, like I even gave it a little bit um, before I even installed the Predators. And we also did the lightest lift or I did the lightest leaf strip in the history of anyone has ever seen me do for the simple fact to give the thrips more of a chance. I know it sounds crazy, but uh, like, and I, I think we're on day three of potentially treating them with the predators. And um, I'm interested to see, like, I think we're going to, like last time it took almost six weeks to eradicate them, but I believe we can do it a lot faster this time because we're doing a little bit of a different treatment. So it's going to be pretty fun. And we got 282 people in there. I think we're okay. I think we're good to roll it here. All right. Let's, uh, okay. Okay, three, two, one. Good luck, everybody. Jed, Jed Rollins. Rollins. That's, is that out of Marcus's? Um, let's see. Jed's dead, That's baby. a pretty sick, it's a pretty sick handle. Um, and yeah. we want to give it, uh, we want to put in Mandy's email, right? Yeah, we'll put it in the chat and pin it to the top. Congratulations, as we see him. Yes, please put in Mandy's email. <laughs> <laughs> no need to be a middleman there, Russ. <laughs> Got enough middleman yeah. to do. Yeah, I said I sent it to Mandy and she's like, Well she's like, Why are you we sending these back and forth when they could just send it to me? I'm like, Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> just just make sure you put it in Mandy's email, guys. That happens a lot, man, on a daily basis, man. He says, message somebody back. And I said, why don't you message them? <laughs> why am I the middle, man? <laughs> Got enough going on. It's kind of funny. Like I said, the last two weeks were chaotic. Is It's actually an understatement. Um, okay, well, that's pretty sick. Congratulations, Jed. Did we see Jed in chat? Did he claim his prize? That's what I was going to say. Have we seen him? I yeah. have not. I have not seen Jed, but I've been trying to recover from that. There day. he is. There he is, right there. <laughs> cool thing. Where? Oh, I see him. Yep. Cool thing. Okay, cool. Congratulations. Where, what's going on with me? Why don't I see him? It's in the middle. Oh, there we go. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jed. Cool, cool, thanks. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. Um, right. Um, what else we got, guys? Is there anything else that, uh, does anybody want to quickly come up on the panel and ask Mark or Shane a question from in chat? We can quickly drop the Zoom chat link, get a live. Um, here it's, it's All right, we should detail to Judd. You want to take a picture of your YouTube account, a screenshot, and then send that to Mandy at gmlarmy.com. It's pinned at the top of the screen. Uh, also, please include your phone number for tracking, for shipping. Mm -hmm. 
more about this channel oh yeah he's 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 old school he's been on he's been around since 2012 on youtube um okay i'm just gonna quickly send awesome yeah awesome yeah we've had a couple of people that when this happens multiple people reach out sometimes here gelato j is identifying as jed okay what like did he win that's a good question <laughs> what did he win he won a Master Six Bloom Red with a 730 nanometer bar and a 450 nanometer booster bar. Oh, sweet! That's, that's a sweet setup. Yeah, it's hey, easy. include that in in your email too. That would be very helpful. Yeah. So uh, Mandy knows. Um, okay. What? Well, yeah. Does anybody? So is anybody coming up on to quickly on the panel to ask a question? Give it one more opportunity here if you want to come over. Just the FYI, guys, I send Mandy to a screenshot of the user account on here. So if you're trying to pretend to be somebody you're not, she's going to know right away from the email that I've already sent her. Okay. And then you're Perfect. Yeah, that's <laughs> per her request, too. And you get added to the list. We'll sit DAP on you. We'll get DAP after you. <laughs> We got Jay after you, man. You better be careful. <laughs> man, are those guys kicking ass lately, man. Holy awesome. shit. I don't know if anybody from chat that's seen it, but oh, man. I sure makes my day seeing those clips, man. Oh, yeah. Shout out to those guys. Sounds Great. like uh, actually Jay's reached out to me. So I think we might be able to link up one of these days. So that's going to be cool. Nice. That would be Damn, cool. yeah. Well, Man, they're just cleaning up those streets. We're bringing them to Vancouver this summer, man. I'm going to clean up the streets of Vancouver. Sweet. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, they're not messing around. Um, okay, so no one else wants to come up on and ask anything? I just saw, I just saw a question go by about bleach ratios for cleaning. Okay. I assume like bleach dilution water ratios, what they do. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. Shane? Uh, bleach uh, for cleaning. Uh, sorry. For HLB. I'm assuming cleaning with HLBD. Is, isn't it like a 50-50 ratio? Or what kind of ratio do you guys use for bleach and water? Uh, so for the areas that we use bleach, uh, um, I think I'd have to double check. I mean, we, we actually use more growers oxide at about a 20% solution. So I'd say... You know, if you're going to use bleach, it'd be basically the same sort of thing, about 20%. Oh, so growers, you just use, you, you you can use growers oxide as a replacement? Yeah, that's what we do now. Yeah. And oh, shit. I, 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 have, you, I have a huge bottle of growers oxide here. That, that, uh, the owner of the company is my bro. I love Luna yeah. West. Did oh, you say that? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Luna yeah. West, yeah. He's a good yeah. yeah, we couldn't yeah, say enough absolutely. good stuff about it. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah awesome. that's, I, 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 I have his sprayer for his fogger unit, and uh, that's how I sanitize my room before every run is I, I take that fogger with the growers oxide and I spray everything on it. And, it. and if you leave it on the surface and you don't wipe it, it can prevent mold and any kind of bacterial growth uh, for up to seven weeks after application. So it's a it's a great preventative measure to take in your grow room. It's super easy to apply. So I yeah, I highly suggest growers outside to anybody who hasn't heard of it. Canadian company, really great guy. He's a grower, longtime grower. Got some great content out there too at Luna West. So yeah, check that guy out. 
Yeah. Hey, what, what, about hydrogen, what about hydrogen peroxide? Did I hear you say that earlier or no? Uh, yeah, we so we use hydrogen peroxide more for cleaning our lines. Um, anything to do with irrigation areas, uh, our water reservoirs, stuff, stuff like that. So, what um, yeah, I think we mix it about three, three percent. Uses three percent. Yeah. Yeah, we're we find that uh, flushing your all of your lines is really critical. Um, you know, for fusarium. Um, different uh algaes and, and you know there's a lot of problems that come with um with irrigation so peroxiding everything sterilization uv lights um is so important to keep all of your systems clean then that that goes even outside of your building wherever your water source is coming from um you know everything that we bring into the facility is stored in um cisterns and treated there and that way we know everything that comes into the building has already been pre-treated so bacterial wise um like i said h2o2 uv light and um that's <clears throat> so important to you know a lot of people treat um treat their water in certain areas but then it still goes through um piping through the walls you know maybe in hot water tanks or, or different water systems there's only takes one small area of um bacterial growth in a, a certain area it could be a, a warm spot in, in in a wall or somewhere that um the temperature gets up above you know 60 70 degrees and now you've got a, a breeding ground for bacterias and um that's uh very critical to make sure things all sterilized and flushed and i think that gets overseen quite a bit by a mm. lot of growers absolutely Absolutely. Um, and so it doesn't look like we have anybody um, that's coming up to ask a question. Uh, is is there anything else that you, Mark or Shane, that you guys want to touch on before we go into shoutouts? Actually, I got uh, a question for Preston, if that's okay. Fire away. Yeah, cool, man. So I got to say, first of all, your room is tight. Looks fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. Oh. If I make my way over to your neck of the woods, I might have to come out and have a look in person if that's okay. Uh, second, I love your hat. Nice hat. You want to show that to everybody? Absolutely. Any, <laughs> anytime, any of you guys on the panel, anybody uh, who wants to come, out, come over anytime, yeah. you're always welcome. Just got to maybe have a shower before you come down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, question but no, for you. No, no. Yeah, sure. So we shipped those. Uh, we shipped that medical box out to you on January 29th. Did it come uh, within 24 hours? Yes, it did. It, it did, was yeah. here within within 24 hours. I was amazed. And I got how long before you? How long before? Sorry, how long before you transplanted those clones? It was two days. Two days. They take off right away. I, yeah, I uh, I ran into a little bit of an issue. Uh, it was my own fault when I had ordered this uh, new. Uh, current culture system. I ordered double of everything except for the collars for the net for the for the foam for the medialis inserts. And I went to set it up and my previous run I ditched because I'm like, now I have the chance to run Death Papa. So I'm gonna like I'm gonna toss these three week old plants out. 
I was going to trash them all, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to put, a, I'm going to put the word out and uh, get some local growers to maybe have an opportunity to grow some pink gas that I had from Growers Guild. So I gave them the whole net pot, the, the insert and the collar, gave them to the growers. And then I went to set up and I didn't have the collars. So I reached out to uh, indoor farmer and they had them in stock. They shipped them out within 24 hours. So I had you guys' cut sitting for two days while I was getting every last thing like, put into place to make sure it was a nice, smooth transition. So, so luckily, those guys had that stuff in stock and were able to ship that also in 24 hours. But yeah, your guys' cuts came I was expecting two days, but yeah, it was 24 hours and everything came perfect. Like the shipping box, the, the styrofoam container that it came in to keep it from, it's just everything was top notch. I just want to thank you guys. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. I'll look forward yes. to photos as it gets closer to finish. It looks great. Oh, yeah. yeah for sure. Thanks. Sure. Oh, I'm excited to Thanks. see how it does in the RDWC. Was it was it just me cutting out, or is it everybody else cutting out too? I can hear it a bit. Like Preston was like cutting it, like chopping out yeah, hard for me. It was cutting out. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't sure because he, he froze for a second and cut out, and I'm like, oh, it's probably just me. I have something wrong with my computer. It's like got like a computer guy down here, and I just I still couldn't we still couldn't figure it out. I'm a little bit annoyed, like a reformat my computer potentially but i guess it's not that it's for everybody um okay is there anything else that you guys want to touch on yeah i just want to say i'm very impressed with uh what preston's doing there beautiful looking place oh awesome uh well Thank i am you, from the day i met preston i'm like oh shit that guy's <laughs> coming on my team <laughs> that talent and i man. i, I, I I'm good at I'm good at seeing talent, man, and I could see he's well. You, man, his his crops, every single crop has just looked incredible, and it's always been nice to see on social media. So, um, how Thanks, I met guys. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate it, and I I feel super blessed to be a part of the team now and uh, be able to show off uh, these genetics. And yeah, I just I'm I'm very thankful to all you guys for for what you do in the community, and yeah, I just. I'm happy to be part of the team, no matter what. You know, 100% for life. I've never been more satisfied with the products. And these cuts, too, are just blowing up. Like, I've never had such a smooth transition going through. And, you know, I know it has, there's a lot of factors or to play here to make sure that that happens. But, yeah, just everything's going so smooth. These new lights and the dramatics and everything else. Just, everything's everything's going great and i just want to thank you guys awesome man well um okay well let's let's go into official shout outs then i'm gonna start with shane well uh shout out to you thomas for being able to put all this together um you know we're all, we've always been a fan of yours for a long time now uh through mutual friends and uh your lights dude top notch man just what you've done is amazing so kudos to you for that uh, thank you very much to the other panelists in here. It's good to see some of you again and meet some of you for the first time. And uh, to all the followers, I'm trying to keep up with some questions that are coming through here. So I'll get to it. I see there's a question about HLVD in the UK. Um, I, 
you know, I haven't heard it, haven't heard about it, but I imagine it's probably there. Somebody's probably got it someplace tucked away in there. So hopefully it's not too much of an issue. But uh, yeah, so thanks for everyone for watching the show and uh, Preston for your feedback on our on our clones and for growing them in the beautiful way that you are as well. Those plants look awesome. So what day of veg is that now? Is it in veg still? Uh, this is uh, Sunday will be three weeks since they've hit the system. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, well, thank you very much, Shane. And we'll definitely have you back in the near future. Um, Mark. Yeah, I just want to thank you again for having us on your show. Um, and a bigger thanks for everything you've done to get us um, retrofitted with uh, with the lights um, in our in our mother room and uh, helping us. Uh, you know, it's uh, the industry is very, um, very tight right now and overheads, uh, you know, cost of production is such a, uh, you know, so critical right now. And you've kind of helped me, uh, as you called it, uh, old school, <laughs> get into um, at the next level. And um, we're really happy with uh, with the way the lights are performing and the trials we've done in our propagation room, which we're going to uh, transition those over soon, too. So I want to give you a big thanks for that. And uh, thank everybody else for, uh, yeah, for having us on the show. Thanks. My, my pleasure, brother. No, I love working with you guys. And um, Preston. Yeah, just uh, want to give a huge shout out to DML and to Lifecycle Botanics and Covert Valley Craft for joining the show tonight and supplying me with these cuts to showcase uh, the true death bubba. So. Yeah, I'm very excited about that, and uh, I'm also excited, and I want to throw a little shout-out to uh, at HypoSource for supplying me with this new commercial hypochlorous acid generator that I'm going to be showing everybody on how to use and uh, how to save some mega amounts of money if you're running a sterile system in a hydroponics facility, so... Uh, I just dropped a video right before the show. Uh, I'll be doing a follow-up video on setting up the system and how to uh, save some mega money making some hypochlorous acid. So hope you guys all have a good night. Thanks to the other panelists too. And congratulations on the winner tonight on those lights. Peace. Thanks, Preston. Um, Heston. Yeah, I was just, uh, didn't know if he said <clears throat> Preston or Heston first. So I was just going to wait until one of us spoke and it wasn't going to be me at first. So <laughs> shout out to Preston for speaking first there, buddy. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, shout out to the chat. It was fun tonight. Shout out to Mark and Shane. Uh, that was, you know, uh, glad, glad we had that conversation. Pretty eye-opening about some uh, precautions that I might need to start uh, taking in soil. And uh, I think, uh, you know, eye-opening to the, you know, no-till and organic growers in general. So, uh, you know, shout out GML. Thanks for putting it on. Uh, shout out to uh, the Autoflower World Cup, too, in Barcelona here in a couple of weeks. Uh, like I mentioned last week, I got uh, lucky enough to score a spot in the judging on that and super looking forward to that. Still, it, time to get entries in. If you're in uh, UK, Europe, over there, they're still taking entries like up to the day before because it's going to be like on-site uh, testing. So it should be should be good times. Thanks, brother. Um, Spartan. Well, first and foremost, shout out Shane and Mark, man. This was an awesome episode. And I think it was an important episode too for a lot of home growers that don't really 
you know, get uh, the industry buzz. They don't have their, you know, they don't have, they don't work in the industry and they don't really hear about it. So to get this out to the people that are growing and might see some of the stuff and maybe stop it before it gets bad. Very important episode, I think. <laughs> Very important. So thank you guys. Big shout out there. Uh, shout out everybody on the panel. I love, uh, it's like a big family and I love coming and visiting every Sunday <laughs> or Saturday. I mean, <laughs> I'm all confused. And, um, and chat, man, it seems like we grow every week. I mean, it's not only are we growing, you know, with being busy outside the show, the show is growing big too. And uh, I think today, well, I know today that the uh, the giveaway, there's more than over 200 people just in the giveaway. So yeah, we're definitely growing and it's good to see everybody coming on and, and checking us out. So much love, everybody. Thank you, brother. And Charlene. Um, I first and foremost want to give a shout out to Mark and Shane. Thanks for being on the show. Um, I always learn all kinds of new stuff. I'm new to indoor growing. So, um, well, and I know it applies to outdoors too, but I always learn so much new stuff that I can take with me on the indoor grow, um, and make it better. So shout out to you guys. You're just, you're smart and filled us with lots of knowledge tonight um the panelists for being here it's nice to have everybody here tonight uh and the chat shout out to the chat they're always out there saying just well not always but you know saying the best stuff about all of us um they make me laugh if you ever see me sitting here laughing and nobody on the panel has said anything because i'm laughing at the chat so um thanks for always being there making it good uh sour diesel tangy he's been trying to come on here for i don't know how long couldn't get a shit straight and finally got it straight tonight so i'll shout you out and gml mandy as well she's always so great with everything well thank thank you very much uh charlene well i'm having a hard time talking this damn edible has just hit me like a rock i don't have this normal tolerance hold on a second here Charlene, I did notice you laughing, so I was wondering. So thanks for uh, clarifying what you're laughing at there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the chat, they be saying some funny stuff out there. Okay, so, well, first shout out I want to do to the OG Bobby Johnson of Making Hash, Marcus BC Bubbleman, who had to leave early. Um, I just want to shout him out here because he's made really played a critical role in Grandmaster LEDs behind the scenes. Um, hooking me up with like the most badass people you've ever dreamed of you know what I mean and like serious connections so I just wanted to also give him a shout out there and every single person on our team that's making this happen um, our team is going to Spanabis pretty soon well part of the team and um, we're you know it's just everything has just been insane and it's been happening so fast Next, I want to shout out, well, Mark and Shane, obviously, for coming on the show and sharing so much information, and I'm thankful for my partnership with you guys, and um, I'm just looking forward to working forward, and what, like, uh, just with all the the new genetics and the new light recipes and with all the new people that are going to be, that are joining the team, it's it just, uh, it's ridiculous. It's, um, it's just awesome. Things have been happening so fast. Next, the nutrients. The nutrients are official, guys. Like, we're talking, it's done. Like it's paid for. Um, we're waiting now at this point. So the shit is really going to happen. And this is going to be like we took it was over four years. It's more like five plus years, to be quite honest, since we started this. It might even be longer from the very first stuff that I had made. Um, but four, we made four major lines. And um, to get right here, it was just a really long battle. And I'm just 
I'm so excited for people to have control of nitrogen. And just like it's just like our lights, when you're taking control of the of different spectrums, take control of nitrogen and don't have to worry about nitrogen toxicity. It's such a huge problem. I'm dealing with it right now. Like, yeah, and just being able to take that. Like, it's not in a bad way that I'm dealing with it, but I have tips on my plants and I know it's from too much nitrogen and I just don't have the same sort of control. And I'm not saying that what I'm using doesn't work well, but I, I want full control. And that's what we worked really hard to bring to the table. Um, like I said, we've analyzed every single nutrient in the world that has any skin in the game. So there is no anybody being like, I've got this special recipe. Um, a lot of stuff is really similar and there's a lot of products that work really well. Um, but I'm going to be able to point out why ours is different. And I'm looking forward to that because I think it's going to give a lot of people a, a competitive edge that they need. And we're also going to be try to be very competitive with pricing. We want to shake up the industry. I told everybody in January that we were going to change the LED industry and disrupt it. And we have. And it's it's like a, well, I was saying this earlier and to like a few of my friends and stuff like uh, yesterday was like a really emotional day for me just because like it's truly been 18 hour days where I don't have even a time to do anything. Um, and it's like obviously busy is good. And it, like I just the other night, I just started like going through or just yesterday, I started going through everything that happened for me to get here and going back over to the end of 2021 in December and just like everything and just like how everything went down and then everything happened. It was just and all the challenges like I, I can't explain, you know, I've done some hard stuff in my life and it's nothing compared to what I went through in the last couple of years of challenges like in financial challenges to get to that through that first year or even past the first year at the beginning, like things were not easy. And it's like, we just overcome so many obstacles. And I just want to thank all my friends, family, and all the people that are supporting us because it's, um, it's really, you know, it was really, really hard, but now like as hard as it is with the hours, everything is as crystal clear to me, exactly what we have to do. And I just think that you guys are going to see a tremendous amount of growth from us and our team. And we're going to be changing the game. Um, the tarantula predator is real. This isn't a joke. It changes the whole how everybody grows. No more pesticides or to the bare minimum. You reduce your pesticides by 99%. No more predator bugs. And um, it's, it's something that's coming really fast, guys. Like we're not joking. It's coming fast and it's going to change the world. And um, we're, it's pretty exciting for us to be able to introduce it to everybody. So again, I want to thank you for all the support. And we'll see you next. Uh, we've got a huge show next week, I think. Well, it's either, I don't know if it's next week or not, but Terpy Highs is officially joining. Well, it is, it's not official, but it's in a couple of days, it'll be official. He's going to be officially part of Grandmaster LEDs. So we're going to be uniting. And also United Kingdom, we are united and it's going to Grandmaster LEDs is coming to every store very soon, guys. So just hang tight. We got our full UK certification. Okay, we'll see everybody next week, guys. Cheers. And we're still live. We're good now.